Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Explain yourself has gone international. I'm still in Fort Lauderdale. Will still in Arkansas. We're still just boring old, old, old where we are. But we're we're hitting you from Canada. We're hitting you from England and the bookshop, Charles. Where where are we hitting you from? Uh, we're in Oklahoma City. Uh, All right, it's right cool. in the Bay Arts District. So, you know, just just a hop away from Arkansas. Okay, nice. sweet. So, so we've got the the middle of America all the way to England with a with a hop, skip, and a jump up north. So, explain yourself. I, I think this is the most international we've had. We've had people from New Zealand and Australia, but I don't think we had anybody outside of the states with them. So, I'm laying my marker that this is we're conquering <laughs> the world with this episode. And uh, you know what? Let's let's get to it. Will, how are you doing? How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was nice and. Uh... The house smelled great as Stace cooked the turkey for her, and Mike and Valerie and I ate our vegetarian thingy that you know is shaped like a loaf. So do, do you, the house do smelled you, really good. Do you sniff <laughs> the turkey? I will well, say though, the, the vegan turkey loaf is amazing. It's one of my it favorite vegetarian dishes. So you aren't completely uh out, out to pasture on thanksgiving so yeah um everybody else have a good uh start to your campaigns i know not everybody i'd say only one one person here uh would do thanksgiving american style well i talked to garth canada has us by about four weeks so he said he had a great thanksgiving up north and uh peter you're up early so we're going to ask you to start us off and that way if you get uh sick of being here or just need to get back to bed you can what we do first is a 30 second pitch as if you were at a comic convention and someone was going past your booth how would you entice someone to look at your project okay so um so i've not done many of these and i have not even done many cons uh either well in fact i've done one um, and didn't really work out a really slick pitch. So if I stumble through this, then uh, then forgive me a bit. Um, but I had just finished um, a 
long project for me, my first comic project, which was called Ren, which was an alternate history uh, um, uh, effort, which was great fun, really, really great fun. I only started that a couple of years ago to really as an intellectual exercise to myself, because I've always been a comic reader um, and just wanted to see if I could write myself a 28 page story and had literally never even heard of Kickstarter before Christmas 2020. And when someone said, what are you going to do with it now you've written it? So now yeah. I've done four installments of that and was hooked and was looking for the next project. So I was thinking about doing something very, very different. I was thinking about um, how the space program has restarted, trying to get ideas from, from, from anywhere and billionaires in space. And my mind drifted to all the wonderful movies that we've got at the moment, the wonderful interpretations of sort of the, the, the point at which space exploration becomes colonization um, and exploitation. Um, so a young universe, a young colonization universe. Um, and thought about those those stories. I couldn't really think of a new story in that genre that hadn't really been done before. I love things like The Martian. I love things like the Alien Saga, you know, all about sort of exploration, the way grimy corporations get involved in it, uh, wanted to do something different. And then an idea struck me that when, as we are reaching out, as we are boldly going, which I nearly wrote in a crazy <laughs> song, um, what else might be coming with us? Um, and I thought about things um, like, the, you know, the fly, the way the, the fly merges two things together and you've got sort of an unwelcome passenger on. And, and I broadened that a little bit further. I'd never told a sort of any kind of supernatural story before. Um, but then I thought, well, what else could be trying to hitch a ride on that rocket? Um, and I got the idea of a vampire. Oh, so then you've got a grimy mining colony um uh, orbiting saturn um and you've got a um and, and you've got a vampire running around uh All right. those, those dark streets that's the basics of it all but right that is awesome further in there yeah we're gonna hold you right there we're gonna get a that's 30 it. second thing on the others and then we are going to get there because uh what what people who watch might have heard I'm all in on Dark Shadows on Tubi. I'm watching that with my wife and my daughter. Every day we watch one or two episodes. So you had me with Vampire. I am in. Uh, but uh, Garth, let's get to you and 30-second uh, pitch on Skinned. Um, so like Peter, I'm not accustomed to doing the pitches. But uh, <laughs> I'm Skinned. It's like uh, my love letter to horror movies. So um the first one i wish i had skinned here but like so first one which creek road was like uh the cabin in the woods um sort of survival horror mm -hmm. Skinned is more of the supernatural like serial killer um but more so uh, about the two sisters who kind of like survive an encounter and then both of them slowly start going mad but in different ways um so yeah all right. If if we if we had commercials, I'd run and grab my my issue one because I have read it. I did love it. But we're going to get into that a little bit more. Charles, if somebody was walking past your booth at a comic convention, uh, how would you get them into your uh, to, to stop and take a closer look? So We Promised Utopia is a uh, detective story comic uh, created by an energy engineer and a geophysicist about a woman who creates this idea and that idea over the course of thousands of years becomes a utopia 
balancing technology and environmental needs in the economy. And then thousands of years after that, everything has fallen apart. So the story is linking the three eras of why this idea worked by why it was ultimately, why it ultimately failed. Oh, all right. All right. Sweet. All right. So Peter, I'm going to pull up the page and let's, uh, let's look at pioneers, blood and star. Sorry. So you said this is, um, is this a 28 page or was it four installments of 28 pages? This is going to be five installments of, gotcha. um, of 28 pages. My first uh, effort, the historical one, that was, uh, that was four. Um, okay. So I'm going just a, just a tiny bit further. Yay, got a new backer. Oh, I love that robot. <laughs> That explain that yourself fun. bump is already hitting you. Uh, we, <laughs> I warned you we take credit, but we really, really do. So, uh, <laughs> so um, you have this idea for the comic. How did you bring your team together? Well, it's a very are. small team. Um, I have worked. I I do everything myself, um, with the exception of coloring. My color, I have absolutely no eye for color at all. I think my lines are quite good. Um, but um, uh, so I write myself, I kind of regard myself as a, a, a drawer who writes. Um, my first love is, is, is sketching and drawing. Um, so that's why I say it was really an exercise for me to see if I could um, uh, actually put a sequential story together. Um, I've had a bit of help. Um, with writing some um, uh, someone you guys might know George O'Connor um, yeah. has um, helped me a little with the um, with the writing he's been great to sort of bounce ideas off is that um, he did sort of toddler, a review. toddler apocalypse yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay yeah 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 um, and and really really nice guy um, was so 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 helpful to me just to, just to make sure that that this story being so different could be told um, you know in a in a way that makes sense and is fun and exciting and maybe just a just a little bit different we're all searching for a little bit different right, right. um while i was working on ren my previous story i came across an artist um called falk hansel and there's a little bit of his work a little further down the page um when we get there but i didn't realize that he did coloring as well i thought he was just an artist in his own right and he did a cover for me um mm -hmm. for the previous series um, and I had a few bumps in the road with a colorist for uh, uh, for this one. Um, couldn't find anyone who I thought the style and the sci-fi um, kind of vibe of it was really hitting with. Um, and Falk pinged me and said, you know, what are you doing at the moment? I said, oh, I've got this thing. I'm trying to find a colorist. And he said, I'll do it for you. Um, didn't even realize that he did that. Um, and he jumped on board. And he's been amazing. Uh, not just because, I mean, look at it. It looks like a freaking photo. It's it's incredible. It's hard <laughs> to even believe my lines are even under there. Um, I, I I actually stopped on this to mess with you for saying that you think your lines are okay. I mean, you drew that. <laughs> your facial expressions are so fantastic. Oh, bless you. <laughs> yeah, I, the the shot a little bit further down where you split her face in two to get that reaction from one from one statement yeah. to another. That yeah, right, right, yeah, right there. That yeah. is that is really nice. Oh, it's yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, is there a word for that? I, I I've called them time slice panels, um, and I found I've drawn seven or eight of them in the book, um, not really knowing if it's a thing. 
Um, but I'm really enjoying those. I've got a couple where woman wakes up out of bed, she's asleep, she's awake, um, getting up think, after a fall. I, I think they call thing. them the P. Taylor. Yay, I like it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'll stick with time slices. Yeah, it, but yeah, it's really Taylor fun. effect. It's the Taylor, the Taylor effect. effect. Yeah, that is beautiful. Isn't it yeah, lovely? That's amazing. And Same. I hate you immediately. Like, <laughs> like multi-intelligent people, like drawing and art is just like, ah. Thank you. That's really kind. Um, so, yeah, so that's the team. Um, um, you know, I, I, I will give George, uh, George hasn't asked for one, but I will give him an editor credit because he sort of looked at everything I've done and said, you know, tweak that, tweak that. Um, and this is okay. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's really, really, really positive about it. Um, and the rest is really, you know, Falcon myself. And he's helped me far more than, um, um, you know, than, than, than just the art. He's great to bounce ideas off. Um, and, you know, does this work in a panel or would this make a good cover uh, and that kind of thing. Um, brought in a few artists for some alternate covers. Um, I love putting other people's art um, in the books because I'm sure if any of you, you know, uh, 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 for any of you um, who, who really enjoy the art yourselves, you do get a bit bored looking at look, looking at your own stuff all the time. Um, so I think it breaks the books up nicely uh, to be able to do something different and share something different with people and give people a, a choice of covers. Not not too crazy. Um, I'm not after the you know particularly after the sort of collector market. Don't think everyone should have to you know worry about buying every uh, every cover um, or anything like that. But um, yeah, it just does something different for the for the campaign see if you draw like will and i draw you never get bored because it's always disgusting mm -hmm. <laughs> and you never know what it is when you go back to look at it well, what the <laughs> hell was i thinking i don't, I don't know what that is I got sketch pages <laughs> like that. <laughs> so which artists did your your variants that you said i think i saw two variants on it who who did those there's going to be a um there's going to be a third um well what we done here is again placing artists on this one has not been easy so the first cover just pulling them up myself the first cover of the three guys um uh on the uh, on the sort of planet surface um that was myself and falc uh the cover of the robot slumped in um or the um uh, lee lewis and my main character's name uh slumped in her apartment with the robot sitting in front of her uh, that's myself um, and, an, and a colorist called Brian Magnay. Um, and for a third cover, just for a bit of fun, I think if you find, um, let me just see where it says, uh, under physical three, um, reward tier physical three, um, I'm doing a, um, I've got three cover options by myself. Mm. Um, and then one, I've got a guest artist coming in that i haven't released yet oh, okay um well uh, it could be us we're crossing <laughs> our fingers there's someone who's working on a fourth cover um and i'm not 100 percent sure they're going to have time to fit me in before the campaign finishes so um I, I won't say who it is but a very talented um uh, lady who lives in uh, who lives in japan so something again uh, i'll say of a sort of an anime kind of style just okay. to be something completely different um, to what you're getting on the, uh, you know, with um, with my own work. But I, I love the idea of just bringing in uh, uh, guests, if, you know, if they've got time and kind enough to do something. 
it just makes it yeah. more fun. And if you're going to do a variant anyway, it's like getting an artist that looks nothing like anything else in the mm -hmm. comic. I mean, why wouldn't you do it? Exactly. Right. That's very smart. Makes it more special. Yep. When when I was going through this room, I was very interested. So how does a an artist design a robot like that? Because it doesn't feel like I've seen that particular robot anywhere before. So is it based on what you your needs for the story? Is it based on the personality you want for it? Or is it just like, oh, I think that this is a cool head and I think these are cool shoulders and you just crazy make them ups. How do you do that? It's, it's kind of crazy make them ups. Um, again, for me, I think about, I, I, I don't do a whole lot of written work on world building, but when you start thinking about the period in history, because I love um, sort of far future work um, where everything's very rounded and beautiful, you know, um, uh, and, and the spaceships look like things that, you know, Chris Foss designed and that kind of thing. But my story is set in a future that's probably 100, 100, 100 to 150 years away. Um, and my, my mind goes, OK, so this is functional stuff. We're past the point that Apple wants to sell you a robot, you know, and it's going to look really sort of shiny and cool. Um, and we're into something that's sort of grossly functional um, mm -hmm. and just does the job um, we use it for. The particular robot that we've got, he's not a war robot or anything. He's actually a barista in a coffee store. <laughs> we have a coffee chain over here called Costa. So I couldn't think of a better name. So I'm calling him Costa. <laughs> With a K instead of a C or vice versa, depending on what, what gets I'm spelling it. Um, instead of an A at the end, an ER. Very okay. smart. Very <laughs> litigation, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Um, a coffee and bean, or what's the one that you've got um, um, over there? Oh, well, just Star about. Starbucks is the the fifty foot uh, tall woman uh, tearing up. So that's probably yeah, one. No, we, we have we got a um, couple, but we have but Starbucks. Yeah, I think yeah. that's been done in sci-fi. Mm -hmm. Calling your yeah. character Starbuck. Yeah. Maybe. I, yeah, uh, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I, my, I guess my childhood. That's right. Apollo and Starbucks. That's right. Um, so, yeah, so that's, um, so, yeah, and, and so that's the design part. It, it's just, you know, where do I see them um, and, um, and, and what do I, uh, and something that's not too complicated to sketch a lot of times over and over, in right. the same, <laughs> and not looking too different panel to panel. Which is something I struggle with. <laughs> no, I mean, I I don't think you do from the pages I saw, but you did edit the page. You could have only put your good stuff. So I'll yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll decide when I've read the comic. But is this book um, uh, appropriate for all ages? Is there a, a certain like like if you would give it a G PG R rated? What would you rate this book in case somebody was looking for uh, a family member? This is a very difficult question. Because um, uh, uh, again, I, I so I'm going to say R, um, okay. because I'm an old person and I don't like the idea of my grandchildren um, reading swear words. Um, right. So at the moment, <laughs> the script does have um, a few um, um, a few Fs in it, mm -hmm. um, uh -huh. which I may take out if I feel that the audience, you know, um, really wants that. It's it's it, it language is something that I think is malleable. 
Um, and I think if you decide to go for a, you know, for a, for a younger audience, particularly, um, you can change things without harming the content of the, of the story for me. But at the moment they're in there, they're in the script. Um, and that would, that would be enough to R it for me, but it's not going to be uh, massive amounts of gore, um, or, or, or anything too, too visceral. Um, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a story of, I'm calling it a story of unlikely friendships. Yeah, so um, so the spoiler that I'll give you because I'm, it doesn't say in the pages of the Kickstarter, but as it's four AM here and my mind is a little addled, um, <laughs> I talk about the um, I talk about facing the universe's greatest evil, and the kind of the point of the book is that that's not actually going to turn out to be the vampire. Okay. Yeah, people are the universe's <laughs> greatest evil, which I think is kind of an expression of how I and probably a fair few other people feel at the moment. So, <laughs> so, you're, so you conceived of this during the pandemic, I see. It's kind of the cloud well. over all, everything we create now. Um, it does, right? You're a product of your environment. Yeah. No, that's I awesome. Think, I think that the question of whether or not to add uh, F-bombs into a comic is a really interesting one because we talk about it a lot on our side too um, because the English language is malleable and it's also vast so there's mm -hmm. often really interesting ways to put the same thing with the same kind of impact and not have that little flag in your comic that does you know that does mm -hmm. limit it right. uh, and certainly I'm like not above you know putting harsh language in you know things clearly if you've read me but i do think it's an interesting conversation that we we often have with our writers where it's like you know a 14 year old could read this and enjoy it but if their parent sees that word in there it's a non-starter so how bad do you want that word yeah, um, yeah well, and and you can do things like uh, you know if you look at uh farscape or or even you know that's an f word already yeah, exactly. Um, uh, or even the uh, you know the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. You know they used they used replacement words. You know right. uh, instead of you know the f bomb or anything like that. So I mean, yeah. I, I think you could argue about the visceral impact of that word on the reader. You know yeah. whether it's made up or whether it's the actual thing. But uh, mm -hmm. there are definitely ways around it. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Writing it as a verbal crutch, or because it actually right. needs to be there. I I'm thinking of uh, NYPD Blue. The reason they, you know, first episode showed Dennis Franz as naked butt was to push away viewers that weren't going to like what NYPD Blue was going to be. Like they literally just yeah. showed his butt, so that those <laughs> those that would be squeamish of it weren't there later when they got to the harder stories. If you want mm -hmm. to tell a harder story, it might not be the worst thing to have a signpost saying, if yeah. you're not ready for this, you aren't ready for blank, blank, or blank. Mm -hmm. But um, that is definitely something a, a creator and a store should be thinking about is, is it worth it? You know, my, my book, it goes to some dark, dark places. And yeah, sometimes the characters say that word um and but at conventions if someone comes up that looks in that 13 to 15 range i don't push it on them like somebody 18 
you know, well, like 16, 17, 18 are over. But there was one time where uh, three teenage girls came up and there was a mom with them. And I said to the mom, I, you know, this is hard PG, soft R. I don't know. She goes, they, they're on Tumblr. And this was back when <laughs> Tumblr was like the wild, wild right. west. I said, okay, well, it's fine. And I threw the books at them because I was like, they've seen some shit on Tumblr that I am not touching. This <laughs> But it, it is it is an interesting choice what you want to do with with the language, and I think it's something to think about as a creator. Definitely, uh -huh. I, I I'm a, a, against um, uh, censorship, as I'm sure you know. You know, a lot of us um, uh, would be. It should be. It's very important that we as as writers and creatives are allowed to put anything out there we choose. But actually, I wouldn't mind more guidance in that space in comics of saying you know, mm -hmm. like they do in films, not necessarily a board to review it, but you know, if it's got more than three f bombs in it, then it should be this. I would, I, I wouldn't mind that as as guidance, particularly as I, as you say, Charles, you've got a team to sit and, and discuss it. I'm making the choices, you know, at the moment, kind of by myself, and I don't trust my own judgment at all for anything. So, what <laughs> <laughs> one story? Uh, I was trying to figure out if we should put mature readers on on our book when we started way way back. And uh, I think it was Saga 4 or 6 came out where they were on the sex planet. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you had monsters running at you with dildos in their hand. And they didn't have Mature on their cover. And I was like, well, I don't think we need it. I <laughs> At one point, I thought we maybe did. I don't think we need it. So <laughs> When we put out Blackjack Demon, it was the first comic. This was a year ago, year and a half ago. Uh, it was the first comic that went into distribution, like full distribution through Diamond. And we were like, well, there's a monster and there's a little bit of gore, but not much. But let's put Mature on it. And then whenever Diamond released it, they had it as adult. And we we're like, oh, oh my. Oh, that's that's, different. that's yeah. incorrect. And then, yeah. yeah. So it's it's like, unfair because you want, you want people to do something for mature readers. Yeah. And you want people to be able to do like, like Peter said, like, if you want to do an adult book, you should do an adult book, but mm -hmm. there definitely should be adult mature readers, all ages or, or, you know, mm -hmm. what, YA 14 or whatever. Yeah. And, like a more like a grade level kind of thing. Like this is mm -hmm. college and up, this is, you know, mm -hmm. high school and up. Yeah. But there's really no good way to, no perfect way, but. Yeah. yeah now, space between has has said it. No censorship ever. So, it, it's done. <laughs> there, we're we're good. He is censoring anybody who would censor. And uh, I guess we'll take it. Hi Pat. Hi Pat. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fully on board with creators being able to make their own choices and uh, whatever those choices are. Pat knows how to write a mature adult book that isn't pandering also so uh pretty nice to have somebody who has a foot in the um the cheeky and thirsty uh areas of comics and a <laughs> foot in also telling a story so uh that's a pretty great thing that uh some people could could learn from but uh if you oh, just want to write yeah if you just want to write a tna book that's fine too yeah yeah, yeah there's an audience <laughs> I need to exist yeah. yep all right well peter that is awesome i cannot wait to read about this um but let's stick in sci-fi i'll um pull down we promised utopia so 
how did the team what what was the first uh you know glimmer in the uh creator's eye on we promised utopia so um adrian who was going to be here but he got stuck on on his way home so he missed out adrian morales and robert holman are the the scientists that i mentioned and they were on a long road trip talking about um climate change energy um you know that's what they do for a living so they're really invested in thinking about the impacts that's going to have on the future and they started thinking about how to explain the costs of fossil fuels in a way that would make a little bit more sense and energy usage so like this reality show was kind of the first thought but it was a long road trip so they just kept rabbit holing rabbit holing rabbit holing and then finally they came up with this idea of this utopia that actually comes to be that started as like a political movement reality show in our present time but over time that idea just keeps growing and growing and growing until like it becomes a thing yeah cost per issue yeah there's mm -hmm. data built this so it's very data driven um, <laughs> um, you know so, you know for scientists by scientists yeah yeah um and whenever so he came to so he came to uh, an artist who is actually across the street from our bookstore, who is a fantastic artist. We'd, we'd worked in with them past and he came in and he told him, Adrian told him the idea and he was like, do you want to do the art for it? And the artist was like, no, but go over and talk. To him. <laughs> and so he came over to me and told me the idea and I was like, I love it. So tell me about the characters. And he's like, oh, there's no characters. That's what, that's what you're for. I was like, okay, all right. So they have this vast, you know, beautifully rendered world with like nobody living in it. So like I got to like populate it. Um, and then we got three different artists that come in and do the three different timelines. Um, so the statue there is of Isabel Bari. She's the uh, charismatic leader who is, uh, has this idea for uh, revamping, revamping the global economy uh, to be carbon-based, carbon, you know, you know, based. And so she is the only character that appears in all three timelines because she became like this mythic figure who had saved humanity from itself. And each issue has its own white paper that explains some of the science behind it. Like this is, and, but whenever we started writing it, we wanted it to be character focused and we wanted it to be, you know, fast paced because this is dense, hard sci-fi. So we wanted it to be entertaining first and foremost and everything after. So that right there is the father of the family. They're in the survivor, the final era where they're just trying to survive. Everything's falling apart, but they still have these remnants of the technology, you know, so that spear is taken from, you know, what's left over from the utopia. Um, so it's each era is kind of its own genre as well. So it's just, it, it, it's, a really really hard comic to make um but it's also very satisfying we have seven people involved which is the biggest crew we've ever had on any comic we've ever done and then you have these two scientists that are like we will shut down produ production because there is a campfire in this frame and there's no wood in an ice age so where is this campfire from and we're like oh, you gotta be kidding. <laughs> it's got like two weeks arguing about how to draw a tree um like the space elevator was this crazy thing but like it but the great thing about that is like everything like they like this is peer-reviewed like they send it out to their colleagues and are like does this make sense to you and if it doesn't we redraw um 
And it, this is not the way to make a comic, by the way. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it's also satisfying because we right. get to like have this beautiful comic that you know it has like that Asimov hard science fiction vibe to it. Um, and like it there's nothing else, there's just nothing else out there like it. And I don't say that because I wrote it, I say it just because like I know it goes into it. Um, and especially publishers are tiny publishers of our size, like this is way above our weight class. And mm -hmm. we're really proud of Alien Engaged and Res Detectives and all the other things that we do. And those have done really well. But just like um, the production that goes into this is just so far beyond what we do with our other comics. And that's the reason we did this big, ambitious Kickstarter, because that we have to front load so much work on it for season two right. that we want to just be able to be like, OK, everybody, your pay is secured. It's there. Just get to work. Um, and let's get the comic out by the fall. Right. So um, when we back this, are we backing to get how many comics are we getting? Or is there a catch up There's here? Four comics we... already out. Um, mm -hmm. That's season one, um, which is the trade. The next season is going to be five through nine. Um, and then there'll be a third season to wrap up the series. Um, and everything's already scripted. It's just a matter of um, just getting the art done. And we have mm -hmm. Jonathan Kelsch, uh, Chloe Elamon, and John Eric Osborne doing the three different ages. And each one of them, like Chloe Elamon, has almost this, like this Disney kind of style to her. And she's doing the dystopian future. So we have this like ice apocalypse that's happening. But in the middle of it is this family with these, you know, really... Um, emotional faces um, mm. to give some s softness to this really hard age. And then Jonathan Kelsch, like his utopian cityscapes are just absolutely bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Like one page is like a terabyte. That's how much work goes into them. Um, and then John Eric Osborne is the art director of the whole project. And he's the one who does the present who, he loves drawing robots and, you know, crazy stuff. But we're like, hey, can you just draw a lot of people talking? So, like, you're going to do, like, the West Wing era. And he and I, I put him there because he does a really good job with, like, subtle nuance of emotion. So, as you're having that kind of two-shot uh, thing, like a Tom King, you know, back and forth, like, you can – he has the ability to make that conversation both realistic – but, uh, but also emotive enough that you could not even read the dialogue and see what's happening just from their expressions. Um, so yeah, it's like a weird dream team uh, that we've got really lucked into. Awesome. So when I back this and I got to pick up the trade paperback, do I do that as an add-on? Because I'm, I'm in. You yeah. sold me. So I'm yeah, going to back for five through nine and get a trade paperback? Because that's yeah, what you I'm doing. Do yeah, and my favorite thing in the whole Kickstarter, the thing that like makes me laugh every time I think about it, especially since we've already had one person back it, is the debate the science um, <laughs> reward. You get thirty minutes to take Adrian and Robert to task, and I am so excited about this. I like, please, crazy people, please, crazy people, find us <laughs> and like after this, like, like let's record it. Let's get weird. So you're just getting money off of flat earthers, just right, I, right, left, and center, huh? 
I hope so. And Adrian, <laughs> and the thing about Adrian and Robert, they're really nice guys. They're actually like I know, like you know, you know, arguing over how to draw trees and stuff sounds like really frustrating, but it's not because they're really great collaborators, mm-hmm. and they just really want you to understand. They're like really good teachers, um, so they're very patient. And they're very like, they want to hear your ideas, but they're also going to kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's all the actual information um, without being like, you know, rude about it. And so like the idea of these two really just nice guys who really have this deep knowledge of what they're talking about, having to like <laughs> contend contend with. With normies? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just makes me so happy. It just makes yeah. me so happy. <laughs> Oh no, that's that's really that's a really cool thing. I, we you got to get you with the Onishi Press people because they uh, they basically plant a tree for every backer that they get in a Kickstarter oh, wow. campaign. So yeah. uh, we we got to we got to get you uh, to the Onishi Press people because obviously you're pushing the same direction in mm. very different ways, but uh, they're definitely pretty cool in in the yeah. environmental landscape of how they do things and that's one of the interesting things about this comic is even with like agent robert as much work as they put into it like we're not saying these are the answers like where they're like these are some ways that can happen but the real heart of it is that um what saves humanity is not way how we redevelop the economy it's not the technology that comes out it is a movement that is able to build awareness to like the looming disasters coming to the point like humanity forces the change on the world. Like mm-hmm. it, it, this is something that can happen. We just got to get together to, to do this huge, huge thing. And then here is, you know, this possible outcome of it that's beautiful and everybody gets to eat. But if we take our eye off the ball, then like this is the disaster that's ahead of us. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really proud to be a part of it. No, it's really, it's a really great, the great fantasy that the uh, people will come together and do the right thing. And then a great, you know, projection of what will happen where we're all freezing our fucking asses off because nobody <laughs> can do a goddamn thing. But I, I like that you gave multiple uh, possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a little... I'm a little cynical about the human race right now, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I really, I, I, I applaud you. And I think that it's a really, uh, cool, cool thought. And, and I'm in, um, one thing real quick, I didn't see this comment when we were talking about the mature readers, Shawnee said, I find it interesting how many people view mature and adult as uh, synonymous while I see them as meaning fairly different things perspective can be interesting, especially when dealing with the general public. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think that I, I would love to think that Sandman is mature readers and zombie tramp is adult. And that's not, you know, Sandman is my favorite book ever. So yeah. it's a huge compliment to Sandman. I don't mean it as an insult to zombie tramp, but those are two very different books for sometimes the same readers and often very different readers and mature readers is to me, your sagas, your, you know, you know, everything that Brian gave on does. Um, And, you know, the adult is something else. And, you know, Pat does a book that's 
adult and mature readers. And I think that's a great thing to do. <laughs> Cynical Kevin is my fave. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, 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 it's late and my defenses are down. So. <laughs> but um, speaking of defenses down, I think we better get to um, our horror uh, thing. Garth, I'm going to pull up Skinned. Um, once again, I read issue one and you scared the the ever loving crap out of me and i've said it to you before i think that comedy and horror are the two hardest things to do in comics and i think that 20 percent of comedy books and 20 percent of horror books are funny or scary and your books are always legitimately chilling so um hats off to you on skinned for making it it happen and i will pull it up in case people missed the the first part of the show or haven't read skinned uh as i pull it up how did you come up with the idea for this installment of your horror universe um like in terms of skinned i would describe it kind of as like my my cursed project because uh, I went through probably three or four different artists before I had Keenan do it. And like originally we were doing Witch Creek Road and Witch Creek Road was the side project because I was trying to do Skinned and it just mm. fell through so many times that we shifted into Witch Creek Road. And then once we finished season one of Witch Creek Road, um, I just had Keenan do Skinned, which was like season two. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing with Skinned is that you don't need to have read Witch Creek Road to read Skinned. Like, they're completely standalone. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Webtoons version, they did have us include some Season 1 characters uh, just to give the readers, uh, like, a familiar starting point. Right. But in this version, we kind of take them away and present it how it was intended. And, yeah, it's uh, that's... Keenan's line work. He's amazing. Uh, I love his art. Uh, the comic is black and white, some spot color. And yeah, I'm just, I will continue working with Keenan for as long as he'll continue working with me. Well, yeah. <laughs> if somebody can turn in that page, you keep working with them, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that spot color is such an underutilized tool. Like, hardly mm-hmm. anybody does spot color. But man, it's always so fantastic. It, it's such a business decision stopping a lot of people from doing a very cool artistic decision because it's so rough to be like, if I make a black and white comic and I print it, it's this amount per page. But if I do spot color or color, it's this amount. It's kind of like, yeah. ah. But yeah, when done right, it it is so gorgeous. This, of course, you know, Sin City um and and so many other things have done it it is incredible i love that panel there because it looks like she's consuming him like Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. i love his art i was just scrolling through the page uh here and my eyes popped out my head when i saw that image (laughs) uh, horrifying uh image that's that's beautiful Every time I get a new page from Keenan, it's like Christmas morning. I just can't wait to open it and, and look yep. at it. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the reasons why we're kind of doing it this way is uh, on Webtoons, like we we were featured, so we had to do some, some changes, like we had to make some changes. 
So this is kind of like going back and reformatting it to, to how we wanted it. Sort of a director's cut type of a deal. Yeah, exactly. How does that happen with webtoons? Do they come to you and say, we, we think it would be better if you have some of your characters here? Or do they say, if you want to be um, featured, you better do this? Or if you can, if you want to tell us that, if you don't, I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm just interested. I don't know. I feel like if I had pushed, I probably could have convinced them not to. But it was one of those things where it's like, I understand from a business standpoint that you've got some very popular characters from season one. It's like, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you put them in season two? Right. So I, I got it. And a couple of my favorite scenes from season two involved those characters. So I'm kind mm -hmm. of sad to remove them. Right. But at the same time, uh, I mean, eventually we'll probably do like a, webtoons season two version but for right, right. now we're just trying to present it how it was intended so that we can move forward um mm -hmm. by the time we see. get to season four things have changed a little bit because of the right. stuff that happened here it could be confusing too because the inspirations kind of come from different uh horror different horror kind of feed into the two stories it can be confusing if they're too close to each other, as opposed to kind of like what what uh, what you call it tried to do with Halloween three is I'm sick of telling Michael Myers stories. I'll just tell a different scary story over a year and call it Halloween. And the audience said, Nope, you won't do that. <laughs> um, but but he had a great idea. Um, so I kind of like that you can kind of have which Creek is more of a you know, like, hey, here's an umbrella. An umbrella of scary is coming and you'll find out what when you read it. Yeah, they were intended as kind of like standalone stories that would eventually come together. Um, so this was like the first of the kind of spiritual sequels to Witch Creek. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's a small team, me, Keenan, and then Anna does the colors for the covers. Um, so it's really just like the three of us. Mm -hmm. Do you have to do any adaptation from what you present on webtoons to get it into a traditional comic book form or so I've never we've never put our comics on webtoons before. Yeah, we did the opposite. So like Keena did all of his work as sequential artwork and then I would cut it up into kind of like the vertical scroll. Yeah. And do it that way. And I found that was probably far easier than trying to do the opposite cuz um, trying to do the opposite would have been really, really hard to get those like mm -hmm. panels into a, a proper page. We did. Um, so we're on. We, we we had a comic do really well on Comixology until they changed the um, subscription model. And we're also on Global Comics. Global Comics is actually really fantastic. We really like them. But sales are really, really tough. So like, do you do you suggest going to Webtoons? Yeah, like when I first went to Webtoons, I knew nothing about it. Um, just my first comic uh, that I had printed like traditionally through an indie publisher. No one bought it because no one knew who I was. Mm -hmm. And so when we did Witch Creek Road, I was like, I just want to get this out to as many people as I can. And so we did Kickstarter. And then after Kickstarter, we put that issue up onto Webtoons. 
And the idea was to like keep doing that, like Kickstarter and then Webtoons, Kickstarter Webtoons. But then they came to us and said, hey, do you want to be featured? And featured is an amazing opportunity because they do a lot more promotion for you, put it in front of people, they pay you. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a really, really good What's that like? So you guys are getting paid? <laughs> yeah, paid, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's awesome. Like, because as a writer, like, I've got to commission all the artwork and stuff. So Webtoons mm -hmm. saved me. Like, I was going to uh -huh. stop after season one of Witcher Code because I couldn't afford to do it. Yeah. And Webtoons basically put money back into my bank so I could continue uh, nice. doing it. Huh. Will and I are in the same boat, but we didn't stop at five issues. We stopped at like 30. So we've just, yeah. we just got to drown longer. Yeah. <laughs> tread water. We got to tread water longer. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's the way we're supposed to say it. You're right. Yeah. And there's just simply no easy way to do it. There's just no easy way to do a comic because the margins are so, so tiny. We actually like to keep our publishing company alive. We had to buy a production printer just so we could do our own printing because oh, okay. we couldn't print at the volumes, even at like, even when we were doing like 3000 for an issue, like even offsetting, we were still losing money on anything we distributed. So like, we were like, okay, do we just stop publishing or do we print our own stuff? And that's what we ended up having to do. So it's, yeah. it's a tough, tough racket. And has that worked out for you? Do, you? do you feel like it's kept you afloat in that way? Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's the only thing that kept us kept us going. Um, the Kickstarters, of course, are you know mm -hmm. a godsend, but that only covers the art. You know, hopefully, mm -hmm. it covers the art. Um, but like the printing, we're able to print. You know, a proof like right when we need it, make a change, print another proof, and then if our distributor wants, you know. 304 comics we print 304 comics and send it to them and if mm -hmm. the bookshop because the bookshop so the bookshop is this way all around me and then the printer what's, should that direction let's, let's get some advertisement out there what is what is the name of the bookshop let's and can people follow you on the socials oh yeah it's uh at literati press on all of the things um the bookshop so it's the our publisher is also literati press so we started as a publisher we opened the bookstore later um, because uh, we just had an opportunity to have a space in an old public swimming pool. And we're like, oh, cool. yeah, please, please. And then the print shop came later, um, which really, I mean, it's a print shop that just focuses mostly on comics and novels. We will do some outsource stuff too, but the majority of everything we print is our own stuff. Um, and it is not an easy road. So like if you're a small publisher and you're like, man, that sounds good, print my own comics, really consider it before you do it um because it is yeah it's a lot of work i know i know another company that has had made some mistakes uh recently did the uh thing of building their own printer so i'm not going to give them free advertising but i do think <laughs> it's a pretty um if you have the ability and the resources to do it i think it's a um a nice uh I don't want to say, um, I think it's a high ceiling gamble. I don't yeah. know what the floor is though on that, but I, I think if you have the ability to do it, I think it's, it's a very smart now, a single, I, you know, I wouldn't do it. Peter shouldn't do it. Garth shouldn't do it. But if you really think you're going to be doing 
blank amount of books a year, I think it's super smart to, to give it a try. Yeah. And that was kind of what the math was for us. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not like IPG or some massive, you know, company that can, you know, just like, yeah, sure. We'll bring in an inkjet and do the thing. Um, we were just like, I mean, that was exactly what we did. We're like, okay, hopefully if we continue publishing, we know we're going to have X amount of comics coming out a month. Um, we believe we can bring X amount of other print jobs in to supplement the income just to, to pay for the, to pay for the printer and the labor. Mm -hmm. And if we can just hit that, then, you know, it'll mean that we can continue printing comics at, you know, sub $2 a comic, um, regardless of the volume. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a gamble. Like it is a big, big gamble. Um, and we don't have investors. We don't have financial backing. It is like, it was just a decision. Do we want to keep publishing or do we want to fold? And mm -hmm. yes, we want to continue publishing. Hell with it. Let's, let's throw it, throw everything in and just see how it plays out. And, you know, so far it's, we just celebrated a year of doing all, all of our own production. And so we're still here. We're still fighting. That's cool. I love that. That's nice. Congratulations mm -hmm. on the year. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. That's really awesome. <laughs> We just had a bindery screw up an entire load of uh, trades. So today was a hard day to be a printer, but uh, <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, I uh, and uh, one of our uh, you know friend of the show Mario Candelaria. He his book Kilcella was coming out from Scout, and it was coming out you know on on a Wednesday in three weeks. And the printer that they use is in Fort Myers and Hurricane Ian basically destroyed every single issue of the first printing it just drowned it. it and you know it's just like i felt so bad for him because it's your dream to have your first comic distributed mm -hmm. in comic shops around the world yeah and this freak event happens and uh it's like short term it's terrible but 10 years from now He's going to be able to tell this really funny story. Now, five years from now, it'll probably still be terrible. But I think <laughs> in a decade, he's going to be able to do my first comic was swept out to sea by Hurricane Ian. And three <laughs> weeks later, I was finally in shops. But it's it's amazing what can happen to our books here, yeah. there and everywhere. So uh, I'm certainly sorry about your bindery story. But uh, hopefully in a couple of years, it's a funny story to tell. Yeah, well, what's what's well, the old equation? A tragedy plus time equals comedy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, we all decide how long it is, but <laughs> yeah, we we just the the thing is like every time something goes wrong, you're just like, well, we we learned something new today. No, yeah. kind of like, can we stop learning? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a really good point. Uh, Geek Collective says knowing your market and what you're capable of is a, is major in making tough decisions. Yeah, I, I think it's really, it's really cool. Um, I've never thought of that. Um, it's a really cool thing to to hear. So thank you for kind of letting us behind the curtain a little bit. Well, gentlemen, let's do uh, one more round of kind of the the pitches in case somebody came in. And Peter, I'm going to let you go back to sleep because you have been uh, a trooper. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I I'm going to say vampire in space, but you can go a little bit deeper. Um, give give us um, pioneers blood 
and stars uh, just a little bit deeper than a vampire in space. I was going to go with vampires in space. <laughs> Who the hell want to read a book? I mean, if you're going to get into comics, okay, you know, alternate history using real-life characters from the 17th century England is one thing, but you get into it for vampires in space. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a, 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 a – no, I'm going to leave it there. I can't do it better than that. <laughs> done done all right so we got you a seven a seven second pitch now um I, i'm gonna throw a, a haymaker garth let's do skinned next i'm i'm gonna seed my time and seed i'm gonna time. say <laughs> we okay. promise utopia see my time well, all right i'm going i'm gonna do this okay i'm gonna do it for garth because uh garth writes the spookiest horror comics that i have read he actually scares me when i read his horror comics um and it's both the story um um the what what happens to his characters that you have grown to love in three pages and on the fourth page um they are not always treated so nicely uh let's just say that his final girls who are um super chased and turned down the marijuana don't always end up um in the sequel and uh i think you should read skinned but i also think that if you haven't read the original grab that hardcover because it's gorgeous okay now let's see the time to we promised utopia. i'm just gonna mention uh so we promised utopia issues one two three and four the physical copy it's 12 bucks wow it's like Three dollars per issue. So for you're watching, like first of all, Charles, you're charging too little. But like <laughs> twelve bucks for four copies, like for issues one through four. Most people charge more than that for a single issue. Yeah. So like, why not? Yeah, not yeah. everybody has their own printer. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but we didn't need to know that, you know. Like <laughs> we, we charge. So the real reason is. Um, so before we got the printer, so issues one and two came out before we had the printer and we were trying to hit margin. And that was whenever the paper was exploding and just getting ridiculous. So like our cover price is $5. And whenever in the course of four months, the cost of printing a 32 page comic um, went up so much that we were losing money unless we printed way more than we needed. And we're like, we just hope that we can sell through these. And so that was, so when we got our printer, we, we still have all these comics. So we're like, well, we'll just slash it and sell through our stock and be able to sell it for like 12 bucks and, you know, no big deal because we, yeah. you know, so yeah, I would normally agree with it, but it is like, it's like, let's get you in the door and then, then we'll come back around with the $5 comics and we'll make it, yeah. make it back. <laughs> it's just two bucks more than the digital. I mean, like, why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Free up some space in our closet. All right. So so we know it's affordable. Let's remind everybody what it is. So we promise Utopia is a detective story set in three different eras of mankind. Uh present where a woman is fighting to establish this idea for merging environmental needs with the economy and technology to uh establish a new global economy um bent on trying to save humanity from climate change and then the second is into the future where that global economy that idea worked and we have this perfect marriage between 
human civilization and uh, the environment. Uh, everything is working, but there is something that's amiss. Um, and then into the far, far future, everything is collapsed. It's an ice age. A family is among the last of the humans like left on the planet. We're at near extinction. And it's about them going back through the wreckage of this utopia, discovering the secret that started in the present day that is still haunting humanity thousands of years into the future. All right. Cool. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, really appreciate it. Uh, Will and I are going to talk about some of the campaigns that are still running. Uh, you can hang with us if you'd like. You can go back to sleep um, or, <laughs> or, or close up shop and start driving home. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, great to meet you too. And Garth, always great to get to talk to you again, buddy. So, so Will, I don't even know what's still alive. What do we got? Um, everything this this past week. I mean, everything. Uh, you know, I gotta do some shout outs to some some uh, really good projects. America's Kingdom. Um, that one closed out. Holiday Spirits by you know our buddy Travis Gibb. That one's mm -hmm. that one closed out. So congrats to them. Uh, Home Free, who we had on that yeah. one. Uh, Kane L. Gray, Fangs and Foul Play, Dixie Grant, Sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, we had a bunch really, uh, really make it in this past week. So we do have only a couple. That, no, go ahead. Yeah. The only one that I was going to shout out was uh, Meraki, number yeah. seven by, uh, by uh, MK Palmer, which and, is uh, 100% funded she hit nice. 250 backers and is over ten thousand dollars today so she nice. did it i know that she had hoped to fund before she uh did a convention out in la i don't know if she was at the convention or not but super happy for mk to to get above her goal and hopefully get closer to 300 backers and a little more uh, Meraki or Meraki or however we say it is uh, Greek gods, but um, basically shown as the the jerks that they are um, <laughs> and uh, the humans that have to deal with them at one point deciding nope. And it's kind of a sci-fi bend on it, but nope. And deciding uh, let's kill all these gods with some very strong <laughs> LGBTQ uh, representation. And it's got gorgeous art. Um, buddy, Mike Shea, Miskatonic High, six, oh, yeah. uh, issue 16, killing it. Um, I really recommend this as a, a Buffy fan. I really like the, uh, kids stuck in a Lovecraftian, uh, world where all of the monsters attack them issue by issue. Uh, I think it's really a great, a great book and I recommend it highly. Uh, Killtopia has 21 hours left. It's Issue five, it is the final installment of Killtopia. Uh, super strong sci-fi pop art. Um, just a very interesting book. If you haven't heard of it, do check out the page because it's worth it. And Destinations is an anthology by the people we mentioned, uh, Onishi Press. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, they, they just do great work. I like all of their books. And as we said before, they will plan a tree, uh, which costs them $1. You can back their campaign for a dollar. Kickstarter takes a dime. They get 90 cents. They'll still plant a tree in your honor. So you can actually stick them for a dime. Um, I don't recommend <laughs> that. 
but you can do it if you are feeling so inclined. Um, but everybody, we really appreciate you, you popping in and, um, we got a shout out to Bixby. Bixby. Uh, yes, that was a, that's a cool book. I can't wait to get it. So um, everybody, we really appreciate it. We said it'd be about an hour and it's an hour and four minutes. I think we did about as good as we've ever done, Will. Uh, yeah. Or Our normal level of professionalism. Yes. <laughs> uh, Geek Collective, <laughs> I'm dying to know if you have all read any of the good books we've seen on the show. Um, I've seen skin. I've read skin number one. Definitely. A uh, new rat city is one of my favorite books. Mm -hmm. I just read nine crow, um, um, by, uh, is it inky? What's her, what's her Twitter name? Inky, inky squids or something. Nine crow. The hardcover is one of the most beautiful books besides witch Creek road volume one that I've gotten out of Kickstarter. Although I'll have to say Snowpaw is pretty darn gorgeous too. Uh, but Nine Crow, super amazing Twilight Zone type of uh, detective story. Uh, yeah, we they go on the reading pile and eventually I'll, I'll get to them, but it could be next week or five years from now. So Exactly. All right. <laughs> everybody have a wonderful night. We appreciate everybody in the chat and our creators. And, uh, and we're just going <laughs> to... We're tearing this place apart. <laughs> Will knows how to end this bitch. <laughs>